0: Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it's our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We meet every Thursday at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. For more info, go to wearesya.com. my dad was my hero. He was good, gentle, quiet, and present. And he died 10 years ago of cancer two months after Silas was born. And actually today, the day I'm recording this, would have been his 76th birthday. I miss my dad. I think that we embody our upbringing, and more specifically, we embody the spirit of those who shaped us, and sometimes that can be crippling. It can set people on a long journey of unlearning and hopeful and difficult transformation, but man, I'm proud and grateful to embody so much of who my dad was. From the time that I was little on Valentine's Day, my dad would get my mom and my sister flowers and actually he would send flowers to my sister's school and it would have a little note and it would say, from your secret admirer, that way she could kind of act like she's got like a secret boyfriend. But he would also, every Valentine's Day, he'd get me something too. And he didn't send it to my school, he never gave it to me in front of my friends. Usually it was on the kitchen counter in the morning before school or at the end of school when I got home. Uh, Things like beef jerky, sunflower seeds, big league chew, and always a card telling me how much he loved me. There is something unexplainably powerful about knowing that you were loved deeply by your father, and it may be the darkest void in the soul of America. God as a loving father was a central message of Jesus's teaching. His parable of the prodigal Son shows a father who not only welcomed home his wayward and dishonoring son, but a father that celebrated his son's return by making him his heir, inheritor of all that the father had. This story that Jesus tells and its implication of how God sees us was scandalous to the religious leaders and to the ragamuffins of Jesus's day. This foundation of Jesus's teaching, it's beautiful but for a lot of people, maybe to some of you listening right now, the word father, it doesn't conjure up a beloved image like the father of Jesus's prodigal son story or my own experience with my dad that I tell about. And this has created like several misconceptions of God for a lot of people, maybe for you. There's a, there's a common conception that God is distant and maybe your dad was. Maybe he literally left your family. But there are also dads who live in the same home, sit at the same dinner table as their family, but they are emotional worlds apart. And the counter argument from those with a physically absent dad might be, well, at least you have a dad around. But to those who do have an emotionally distant dad, this doesn't really feel like a comfort they should feel grateful for, does it? Another common conception is that God is disinterested. I can't count how many times I've had folks come to me with a problem, and then when I asked if they've prayed about it yet, they respond, well, no, I don't want to bother God with this. Like, he's busy with lots of other bigger things than my little insignificant problems. And I almost immediately respond to that by asking them to tell me about their relationship with their dad. Like, did they feel like he didn't have time for them or that by asking him for help about things, that they'd be annoying him? And some people feel like God is dangerous. And maybe your dad was unpredictable. Maybe you walked on eggshells trying to please him so he wouldn't get mad or disappointed. And that creates a sense of danger. And how we think our fathers and our mothers think about us, that affects our image of God deeply, and how we think God thinks of us affects everything deeply. However, even for those of you who have a thwarted view of Father, we have Jesus proven to be good and loving and trustworthy. And in John chapter 10 and and chapter 14, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If If you've seen me, if you've experienced me, you've seen, you've experienced the Father. And so if you have a misconception about God that is connected to a painful experience with your earthly dad, I want to encourage you to approach God through Jesus with the hope of coming to trust Jesus's heavenly father. Romans chapter 8 begins with the end of shame, no condemnation. And last week I gave a sneak peek at how it ends with the promise of no separation. And that if there's nothing that condemns us and nothing that separates us, then nothing is everything. And today I want to crack open and unpack Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 17. And I want to show how in all four of these verses, Those who who are in Christ are called God's children. And it reveals God as a father in four powerful ways. First, it reveals God as guiding father. Romans chapter 8 verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, God guides us in lots of ways. Scripture, godly people, he guides us through our own thoughts, But within all of these is His presence. God ultimately guides you by being with you. My 10-year-old son, Silas, he will often bring up death and separation. Some of it is because my dad died right as Silas was being born. And he knows how close I was to my dad. And Silas is a deep thinker and he wants to consider things that matter. And he is eternally curious. But he'll seek assurance from me by asking things like, Dad, I'm, I'm going to be so sad when you're dead and gone. But you, you're not going to die for like a long time, right? And he'll also ask, sometimes in the same context, Dad, when I get old and I have a job and I get married and I have kids and stuff, you, you're still going to be around to help me know what I'm supposed to do, right? Right? One of the clearest memories I have of the moment my sister called me in 2009 to tell me that my dad has, had breathed his last and he was gone was my my legs just not working anymore. I couldn't stand, like physically I couldn't. And I think I had a panic attack. I felt claustrophobic for the first time in my life. And it was at the thought that I would never be able to call my dad again for advice. It was a massive feeling of dread. And I was 33 years old. Silas is 10. And he's never even known life without me. But the fear of separation, of not being present, is there. It's deep in our bones. Fundamentally, Silas is asking about my continued presence. And while I think he, he likes some of the presents the gifts that I can provide. It seems he's more interested in my presence, my being there in his life. And I, of course, assured him that I plan to be there for it all. And I also tell him about my my dad's own enduring and lasting presence with me because of a lifetime of his teaching, a lifetime of him loving me and just being there. That kind of presence endures. But then I share about how God's active presence never leaves us, ever. Like, He's always with you, Silas. God guides you now, and He'll guide you when you grow up, even when I won't be able to. My my friend listening right now, you too are God's child, led by His Spirit. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' last words, in Matthew 28, verse 20, He says, "...and surely I am with you always." To the very end of the age. This word, surely, is way cooler in its original language, in its Greek, but also in its Hebrew root. It literally means, behold, look, see, and know this. It was like a shouted certainty. So in other words, Jesus pieced out in Matthew's gospel with, hey, yo, know this, because it is absolute. I will always be with you, my friends. And the the how he's with each of us is through the Holy Spirit. And if we're honest, all of us want or hope for God's provision, whether we really need a rescue or we just need to grow through the pain. I mean, we want God's provision, the things he can provide. But I, I also think if we're really honest, what we want most from God is to know that he's there with us no matter what. And God's ultimate gift isn't his presence, it's his presence. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it reveals God as gentle father. The first part of Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children fearful slaves. Fear in the New Testament represents uncertainty, and the ultimate uncertainty is death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, it says, Only by dying could Christ break the power of death, and only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as, as slaves to the fear of dying. Death is the ultimate unknown. And I know Christ died and he came back from the dead, but it's not like he gave us all the details of what like to expect um, on the other side when we die. Like, well, what exactly is it going to be like? He simply, and if we're honest, he frustratingly just asks us to trust him. But But faith doesn't give you certainty about what happens fully after death. And by the way, those who present, you know, confident details about this even in poetic biblical terms this is my my opinion i think many of them are masquerading their own uncertainty because they've bought into this false idea that faith must provide certainty about all things or worse they're trying to manipulate other people into agreeing to their way of religious thinking and i think both versions of this kind of certainty are either intellectually dishonest or disillusioned or both. But I would say that whatever lies beyond the shore on the other side, I do believe we can have peace through Christ because we have a hope regarding who will be there on the other side to receive and lead us in the next life, just as he has done in this one. Paul said in Romans 8, 15, he said, we received God's spirit when he adopted us as his own. In the Greco-Roman world, an adopted child was chosen specifically to continue and preserve the father's name and inherit the estate. Like God chose you as his own out of his gentle love. I remember my dad tucking me in at night when I was little. He'd hug me every day. He kissed my cheek up to his dying day, and I was 33 years old, something my wife noticed over the many years of being around my dad. Even though he didn't talk much at all, he would pat people's hand or their arm. It was like his way of knowing, uh, for you to know that he was there, that he was listening. He was the gentlest person I knew. A good father not only guides, he guides gently. Romans chapter 8, the first part of verse 15, reveals a spirit of family over fear, revealing God as a gentle father. Next, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 16, reveals God as Abba. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, the second part of verse 15 through verse 16, and it says, And by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are his children. This word Abba is Aramaic, which was Jesus's native tongue, and it was a term that a small child would use for their father, like Papa. The Gospel of Mark is the first First gospel written, the oldest one written of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it was based off Peter's preaching. And for um, for what we're talking about right now, Mark records specific words that Jesus used in his native tongue, Aramaic, more than any of the other gospels. And one of those is from Mark chapter 14, verse 36. It's when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he cried out in prayer, Abba, Papa, Take this cup from me, this destined suffering. Take it away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, in prayer, approached God in his most difficult moment as Abba, Papa. This is why Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to cry out loud, Abba, Father, and Paul does something wonderful in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and here in Galatians 4, 6, he sets both, he, he sets two words together, both Jesus' Aramaic Abba word, right next to the more familiar Greek word for Father. In other words, God is Father to all, both Jew and Gentile alike. Paul says that by the Spirit we cry Abba. Now, let me ask you, I want you to think about how and when do children cry out something like Papa? Well, I'll tell you a couple of ways, or here's one way how they do it with joy. Like when Asher, my almost 16 year old, when he was little, 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 and he would hear the garage door open and know that I was home. He'd drop his toys and he'd run in circle and just repeat, da 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 dad, like dad's home. Or Kids cry out these these phrases for their dad when they're broken or afraid or they need courage or they need help or they need a, a chest to cry on. I'll never forget the night my dog died when I was in seventh grade. My best friend Matt and I were walking a few blocks from my house to our first eighth grade party and I had announced that I planned on having an eighth grade girlfriend by the time it was all over, which didn't happen by the way, but my dog had been sick and as we were leaving she died. And I pretended to not care. I headed for the door, but by the time I got to our door, I couldn't hold it in. I instinctively turned away from from Matt. Maybe I was going to pretend to go to the bathroom or something. But when I turned around, my dad was right there. He'd followed me the whole way, quiet and present, two of his most enduring qualities. And when I saw him, my grief exploded and I buried my head into his chest My dad wrapped me up, he patted me on the back, and in his wisdom, he never said a word. His embrace was more powerful than a thousand condolences. Crying out, Abba, Papa, Father, is a way that we can act out a belief and hope that we are loved by a guiding and gentle heavenly Abba. It's both an expression of faith and it's a way to learn to let your actions shape what you believe. Like learning to run to God as a gentle, guiding Abba, Father. It's not going to happen by trying to will yourself to just like believe it, even if you don't or even if you feel something opposite. But by choosing to do it anyway over time, actions can transform into beliefs. The fourth way Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 17 reveals God is as our generous Father. Romans 8 verse 17 says, And since we are His children, we are His heirs, to inherit all that God has. In fact, it says, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His sufferings. I was asked after my dad died, if I inherited anything from him. I know they meant money or stuff, and I didn't. My parents had a lot of debt. I had a, I, I do have a couple of small sentimental keepsakes, but neither those or some kind of fat bank account would have been an ultimate inheritance from my dad. From my dad, my great hero in this life, I, I proudly inherited his grin. And according to my wife, I've inherited his endearing Pat. On people's arms or their shoulder. And I inherited these from spending 33 years around him. And if you were to tell me that as his son, I'm his heir, and then ask me what that meant to me, I'd tell you that I hope it means that I've been shaped by some of what he was then, and that I'll get to be where he is now, to spend forever with the guiding, gentle, and generous father of us both. I mean, what inheritance could be greater than God himself? Psalm chapter 73 verse 25 says, "'Whom have I in heaven but you? God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my inheritance forever.'" But at the end of Romans eight seventeen, Paul throws in a qualification. He says, "'If we share his glory, we must share his suffering.'" And if you're honest, you might worry, but I don't I don't want to suffer like Jesus did, man. I, I don't want to lose my comforts and my enjoyments. Right, I get it. But remember the dual metaphor that, that preoccupies the teachings of Jesus and all of the New Testament death and resurrection. Yes, we are called to suffer death to self, being crucified with Christ, that you would live a life of sacrifice and service for the glory of God and the good of others. Romans chapter eight reveals that God is our guiding, gentle, and generous Papa, our Father in heaven. I, I wanna close by telling you one more story. I was able to ex- to spend extended time with my dad during the last six months of his life, but I was sent home by my mom so that my dad could actually die. She believed that he was just gonna hang on for as long as I was there, but he needed to go. And I was in my office either the day before or just several hours before my sister called to let me know that he was gone. We knew it was coming and I was especially sad that day, but I was trying to focus because I had to finish up a couple of important things. And sometime after lunch, something snuck up on me there in my office. I'd call it a memory attack, but I'm not sure that describes it. My mind was Filled in a moment with rapid fire memories of my dad, like a a flip photo album, 100 miles per hour. And then it just gradually landed on one. And I honestly, I didn't choose it or search for it. It just stopped on one of those Valentine's Day mornings. It was when I was a junior in high school. I'd have been 16 or 17 years old. There were gifts and a card waiting on the table before school. Dad was standing there. And I wasn't embarrassed. I loved it. I mean, none of my friends were around, I didn't have to fake cool, but I did kind of laugh and say, you still get me stuff for Valentine's Day. And he grinned, his classic grin, and he patted me on the arm, and and he said simply, Dust, no matter how old you get, you'll always be my boy, always. And then he winked at me. And in my office that day in 2009, I slid to my knees and I accepted what I knew was a moment of grace and I wept. And most of you know, I'm at ease using a lot of words when I talk to people or to God. But in that moment, I could only repeat in choked up whispers, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my dad. First John chapter 3 verse 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And so, my friend, may you know the great love of your Heavenly Father, and may the knowledge of a guiding, gentle, and generous Abba Father, may that knowledge help move you forward in a full and confident faith. Amen. Thanks for listening to the SYA Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at WeAreSYA.